Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Why do we have insights when our mind is quiet? How do insights play a role in our ability to learn and when do they impact the trajectory of our lives? Welcome to Insight Out, where we explore these questions and dissect how insights influence who we are and ultimately who we become. I interview New York Times bestselling authors and some of the most influential minds of our time to find out what insights have helped to make them who they are. When I realized that the world worked in many different ways, I'm gonna choose to create a life that is specifically designed for me. I see infinite capacity to think and create. That's the magic that we all have. You can tap into that any point in your life. You just have to decide to do it. And as a leader, you have to be a transition figure. As Dr. Covey said, be a light, not a judge. Be a model, not a critic. If you're like me, constantly working to design a life that will allow you to reach your fullest potential so that you can leave your mark on this planet, then you're in the right place. I'm glad to have you on this journey and hope you enjoy this episode of Inside Out. Welcome back to another episode. I'm here with my partner in crime, Brendan Kumarasamy, also known as Brendan K with Master Talk. Brendan, what's up, buddy? How you doing? Very good, my friend. How are you, my friend? We're trying, we're trying. You shot some videos over the weekend? You got it, man. Always shooting, always hustling. Nice. Always eating ramen, sending me pictures of ramen. So I appreciate that. Making me jealous. So we were just talking and one of the things that we do is try to figure out what's going to make the biggest impact and provide the most value to anyone who listens or watches this show. And the question that I asked you first was, who haven't we talked about or who's a, a thought leader that we should study? And you mentioned Tom Bilyeu. And we talked a lot about what he's all about. I should say you talked about that. And one of the things I love to do is get into the mind of of you, of Brendan Kay, because you take the time to really understand who these thought leaders are and what are those powerful ideas, thoughts, insights that they have, that they share with the world. And so rather than doing a show solely dedicated to Tom, which we could talk about him a little bit, Let's do a show where we talk about how and why we should study these people. Before we get into that, I'm curious, you said to me, one of the last things you said before we got started, the conversation we had reminded you that you need to study Tom more. Why is that? Fascinating, fascinating question, Billy. I love, I love your, your curiosity. That's why I always choose to follow it. That's why these episodes are so fun. So let's start with the principle. Why do I spend so much of my time of my young, young, young adult life obsessing over thought leaders? Well, the idea is simple because I want to be one. That's the goal. And this is true with anything that you want to do, everyone who's listening. If you want to be the best basketball player of all time, guess what you should be spending your time on? Listening to tapes, basketball tapes every single day, watching games, analyzing plays. Brendan ain't spending that much time trying to be a basketball player, so I'm not spending a lot of time going through tapes. Same thing, if you want to be an actor, a famous actress, you've got to study what other actresses and actors are doing, what they're doing in movies. Whereas Brendan over here, this little guy right here, I want to be like Lewis, right? I want to be like Gary Vee. I want to be at the same level. I want to be on their podcasts in a few years. So it makes a lot of sense for me to spend an unhealthy amount of time, two hours a day specifically of my life, to study these thought leaders. So that's the main reason. In terms of Tom specifically, why did I want to study him a bit more, Billy? Is That's why I love being friends with you because you're a great barometer for me. So if I feel I'm not dishing out quality content to you, you're a great guinea pig. That means like if it doesn't work for Billy, it's not good enough to share with a lot more people. It's on my YouTube channel or another medium. And when I realized I didn't have that much to say about Tom, that's not because Tom is not a great influencer. It's because I clearly have not spent enough time, the time that he deserves to be spent on, to, to, to give a much higher quality show here. So that's, that's why I, I said I need to study Tom a bit more. 
let's kind of have the conversation we had previous so that we could literally dissect the anatomy of how you go about thinking of thought leadership. I think we'll do that best if we kind of explain the conversation. So let's replay. I think I asked something like this. Okay, if we do Tom, what are we going to talk about? Tell me Tom's story. Yeah, no, absolutely, brother. And and I'm happy to go in that direction as well. So just a side note from the question you just asked is how do we study thought leaders? There's three specific areas that I actually do focus on. And I wouldn't have been able to answer this question when we first met. We've spent a lot of time together and I've also developed principles that I learned from the show, actually. I'm able to now articulate into three curious. So thanks for that, Billy. So the first one is questions for that specific thought leader. This actually stemmed from something that you taught me uh, probably 30 episodes ago when you asked me probably the best question you've ever asked me. I, I would say that was the number one, which is what is the best piece of, piece of feedback you did with you have with Lewis? And when you asked me that question, I was like, what advice do I have for this guy? And also what questions do I want to be asking him? So there's three specific things I look at. Number one is what questions I want to ask that celebrity that they've never been asked before when I meet them which will happen, whether it takes three years, 30 years, 17 years. In Lewis's case, actually didn't take that long, right? We had a Zoom call with six months ago. So I was able to ask some of those questions, though I felt I could have executed better. Number two is advice for that specific celebrity. So when you're trying to think of advice for them, you're putting yourself on the same level as them. You're thinking of them more as a colleague. So now the next time I see Lewis, which is probably going to be in September in person when he does Summit of Greatness, I'll be saying, hey, thanks for all your help, Lewis. Here's the feedback points I have. Here's some points of improvement. I think this will really help your business. I'll give you one. And if you want all five, let's have lunch and I'll go into all five with you in detail. But here's a card with all five, right? So that's the second piece is the advice I want to give them. I think that also makes me sharper as well as a thought leader. Because then if I give somebody advice, hypothetically, I need to apply it myself. And then the third piece, which is probably the one that the audience would be more inclined to implement, which is how I started it, is goes back to the definition of value. Christo defines values, tell me something I don't know. So every time I'm listening to a thought leader, I'm specifically trying my best to take notes on ideas and thoughts that I previously didn't know, which are generally thoughts that are very unique to that specific individual. So that way, when you ask me, especially the early days when my life was a lot easier with you in episode five or seven. (laughs) Those are the glory days, man, before (laughs) the juice was squeezed. (laughs) I mean, it's funny because in my lifetime, Billy... You're the only human being that could squeeze me like this because most people I won't spend more than two, three hours talking to on a podcast, right? Whereas we've spent, I mean, God knows how many hours it's been. It's been like thousands of hours at this point. And we're not joking, by the way, everyone, when we say thousands. It's literally been thousands. It's kind of nuts. I've talked to you more than I've talked to my own mother across my whole 25 years of living on Earth, <laughs> so, which is crazy. <laughs> I love it. Let's say, for example, let's say Billy asked me to go, let's talk about Seth Godin. That's very easy for me to do because I've studied the guy into and I've listened to seven of his books, five of his books, and I've listened to every episode of Akimba, which is his podcast. But I specifically take a bunch of notes on everything I don't know about Seth. And Seth has a lot to share on ideas that I don't know, which is why I listen to him a lot. So I have a lot of information that I can go in. And then the other piece, which is also in the value, is the other piece that is unique to them, which is their story, right? You asked about Tom's story, which I'm happy to get into, but that question is also true with all the thought leaders. So the people I actually specifically admire, like Scott Harrison, like Lewis Howes, like Gary Vaynerchuk, those are people that I actually know their story pretty much as good as they do from the day they were born all the way to the day that they became successful. So I also think understanding the story is a great way of dissecting value because there's only one version of them that will ever live. They are very much the same thing. It's tell me something that I don't know. Well, their story is unique much in the same way an insight or even a new way of thinking about a concept is novel. It's new. And I think fundamentally when we think about value We're in a noisy world where there's so much content out there, so many ideas, so many people shouting from the mountaintops, all this quote unquote thought leadership. But the reality is most of it gets drowned out or you can't really pay attention to it because it's overwhelming. I mean, there's literally a flood of information out there. No human being can process all of that. So as human beings, we're alerted when something's new, when something's different. We're actually hardwired, right? If something's the same, we're just going to ignore it. It's like when you drive from point A to point B, 
and you just kind of all of a sudden are there and you're like, how did I get here? I don't even remember driving. It's because you're, you're on autopilot. And I think most of us go through life on autopilot, but when something is new when something's novel, when we hear an idea or a concept that's going to change our way of thinking because it's brand new, that's when we're, we're, our minds are blown. And those are the thought leaders that get recognized. Those are the ones we talk about on this show. So when you think about going back to Tom, you know, there you mentioned a few things and I think they're valuable to share, but we'll just use this as a case study. What are some of the 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 value pieces that Tom shared or that you learned about Tom that helped to make him a thought leader in your mind? And what are those things that you shared with me that you think would be valuable as we share with the audience, you know, this this whole process? Yeah, absolutely, Billy. I would say the first thing that I learned from Tom that I think is super amazing is to obsess over every little detail and everything that you do. What really shocks me about the way that Tom acts in his life, and specifically the way he introduces guests on his podcast, Impact Theory, is he always goes the extra mile that nobody else does. And one example of this is his very famous intros of guests. His introduction of his guests is so good that the guest is always flabbergasted whenever they start a show with him. So he starts setting that context. And historically, and he's mentioned this on many episodes, he spends on average three hours per guest to cultivate just the intro, which is so crazy. It's like most people don't even spend three hours preparing for the whole interview. This guy's spending three hours just on the intro, which is like absolutely insane. And if I have to guess, the three hours is probably not just him. Three hours is probably like all of his team coming up with all the information put it all together. But it still goes to show you that whenever you want to do something right, either go all the way or don't go at all. And Tom is a great example of someone who goes all the way. And I think right there, what you just did is you illustrated the story, which is his story, which he's a podcaster now. And there's obviously the story of how he really started to see success with his business quest and the health side of things that he had this mission, which you could share in a minute. But you just illustrated the story of him being a podcaster and having this obsessive attention to detail so much so that he creates intros that literally blow away his guests. And I've seen it happen in his interviews where they're just dumbfounded by the way in which he sets the stage by introducing them. You just illustrated perfectly what what you were describing. What else from Tom? Either you go back to his story or you can go to other what we'll call value nuggets that that you think are valuable pieces of information from him. Yeah, absolutely, Billy. So I would say the second piece, and thanks for that, is going back to the obsession, the details, right? One specific area where he's done this exceptionally well, and this helped me specifically in the early days of Master Talk when I was building my vision, is the way and how detailed he is about how he sees the world and his perspective on the world. So I'll give you an example. One of Tom's missions in life is to create the next Disney, the next Disney studio where he creates films and movies and cinema around characters and culture that are specific to growth mindset content. And one of the pieces that Tom argues in that video is he says that instead of forcing the masses, which is most people, to go into personal development, to listen to podcasts, he's just going to go to them. And that's a consistent theme throughout his life. So when he was younger, he actually didn't want to be an entrepreneur. He actually didn't do much with his life, to be honest. And he's very upfront about this as well. And that's why he's such a big believer in transforming himself. And then a few years later, he met his wife. And then that kind of changed the game for him, where he started to take life more seriously. And he wanted to make something out of his life. And then he started the company Quest Nutrition. He he worked at an alarm company for a few years, but before that, then after he started Quest because he wanted to create healthy foods that would help people uh, lose weight because his mother and his family, a lot of them were overweight and obese. And he wanted to give them tasty food that would actually help them lose weight. So instead of trying to force them to eat lettuce, he created these bars that that are called Quest bars to help them say, okay, just eat these bars. They taste great, but they also help you lose weight. And he sold that company for after a few years for multiple nine figures. But what's interesting, Billy's, when he got into the piece around Disney, that theme is still consistent. And the theme around, even if something needs to change, I'm not going to expect them to change. I'm just going to change the environment in which those people operate. So when he looks at 
getting people who are fixed mindset. So for those who don't know, fixed mindset means you don't think you can get better. You don't think you can bit smarter. This is by Carol Dweck, the author of Mindset. And then the other piece is a growth mindset where she argues that, you know, you always believe that things can be better. You can always get better. So instead of Tom saying, let's take these people who are fixed and turn them into growth through podcasts and interviews, which he does, his bigger thesis for life is to say, let's just go see what the fixed mindset people are at and change all the Spider-Man characters, change all the the culture so that they're watching stories and ideas that convince them that they should have a growth mindset. So going back to this idea of tell me something I don't know, because this is such a great cornerstone that Chris Doe shares when it comes to value. Why do you think that is so important? What are the reasons that that is such an important piece? Because you you said two parts of the value proposition or sharing value. One is tell me something I don't already know. The other piece is it's that unique story of that other person. Why is the the first part of that so important? Yeah, absolutely. And and the answer, and I love that you mentioned both, Billy. The example actually ties into both a little bit. So the first one is around why why is Tom's story so interesting and different? So the reason is because it forced me to be a lot more thoughtful about my founder point of view. So Tom is very specific. He's like, this is where the world's going. If I change cinema in this specific way, it'll completely solve the world's problems. That's a very interesting thesis, and it's built on logical arguments. Whereas when I thought about my mission with MasterTalk, my vision, I felt that it didn't measure up to the detail of what Tom was thinking about. This is early, right? Because I was probably 22, 23, which is obviously only two years ago, which is crazy if you think about it and how much things have changed since then. But when I first watched that video, MasterTalk wasn't that specific. I wasn't that thoughtful about how it was approaching the brand. Whereas when I watched that video, I was like, oh my God, like I need to be a lot more thoughtful. Another piece I want to add as well is just because somebody's telling me something I don't know doesn't mean they have to be the only person to share it. But other people since then have done something similar, like Cameron Harold, who's the founder of 1-800-JUNK, and who talks about the idea of vivid visions and how we can picture ourselves three years later and start imagining the, what, our, what our house looks like, what our businesses look like. But I feel Tom did it at the right time for me. And the other piece around the story, what I like about Tom specifically, is that the guy was a loser in his 10s and his early 20s. And the reason that's such an important part of the story for me is because I was a good for nothing too when I was 15, 17, 19, like most of us are. So to see Tom come to that level from where he started is an inspiration for me because it tells me that, wait a second, if Tom could do that and go all the way to the top, I'm sure I could figure out a way to do that with my life too. So that's where the uniqueness plays in for me. The relatability and how you tie it back to your own personal story, your own personal mission and the way in which it can influence the decisions you make, the actions you take, I think is a really important point. Let's talk a little bit about how you go about looking for these things because the premise of this episode is how to study thought leaders. So I think if we know that we're looking for new ideas, things that maybe we don't know, tell me something I don't already know. I want to clarify, can it also, this is sort of a rhetorical question, can it also be something that is packaged in a new way that is giving a clearer picture or a more powerful illustration of a concept that may not be new itself. The concept may not be new, but the packaging or delivery mechanism is new. Talk a little bit about that and how do we identify these things? Yeah, absolutely, brother. I think that's a fascinating point. So here's the way I think about it, because as you were speaking, gave me kind of another thought as well, is the, the easy answer here is to say, follow your curiosity. But to add an extra layer, because obviously this is the Billy and Brendan show, and we always go the extra mile for people. The extra layer is I find the biggest mistake that most of us make is that we don't have a consistent practice to follow our curiosity. Let me repeat that again. We don't have a consistent practice to follow our curiosity. So what does that mean? That means exactly what you said. In life, we're on autopilot most of the time. We're focused on the mortgage. We're focused on the kids that we have. When you're focused on this, we're focused on that. So we're not spending enough time just being curious and exploring and seeing what fascinates us. And I actually made that mistake when I exited corporate in June. It feels like forever now. Wow, it feels like forever, but it also 
kind of doesn't. It feels like it, it's it's a long time, dude. Yeah, it's been. It feels like it's been years. I quit corporate. Like I don't, I don't even remember working there anymore. But anyways, so so when I when I was in corporate and I left, actually corporate was good for me, especially before the pandemic. Before because I would spend an hour and a half to go to work and an hour and a half to come back. So I would listen to two three hours of podcasts every day. But what happened after I quit corporate? But after post pandemic, obviously. A, I wasn't traveling anymore, and B, there wasn't a commute. So I wasn't traveling internationally. There wasn't a, like a commute where I had to work up early. So I could just wake. So I would just wake up at ten and like work until eleven. And I realized after three months of doing that that I was super miserable. And I was asking myself why. I was telling my business partner Vomsi why I didn't know what was missing. And then I realized what was missing, which was personal development. I hadn't invested in myself for ninety days. I hadn't spent any time doing podcasts. So now ever since then, what I've done, it's a mandatory morning routine. I got my mojo back ever since then. Is my first two hours of every day, no one's allowed to book me. So from 8 to 10 a.m., like no one can contact me. All I do those two hours is I listen to podcasts and I think. And that act itself is the most important piece to studying thought leaders. I don't really mind who you follow. Honestly, a lot of the decisions I make to who I follow are not entirely objective. I just like Lewis's voice. I find it very meditative. I grew up with it. So there's a bias with it because he was the first podcast I listened to. And I feel like I grew up with him, right? So even if he's like super tall and like muscular and from Ohio, but the, the but the and he's like a football player, and I don't watch football. But but the point I want to drive or care about football. But the point I want to drive is because I grew up on the guy. That's the point. But I think the practical, tangible idea for people is sure you're probably following your curiosity. But to what extent are you following your curiosity? Are you making a consistent habit like eating lunch every day? Everyone eats lunch every day, right? Everyone eats dinner. Are you eating curiosity every day? Are you following curiosity every day? That's what I want to challenge people to think about. I don't really mind what the show is, though I'm happy to go into my thought process. Okay, so that makes a ton of sense, right? Because if you have it scheduled and it's, as you said, you're forming a habit to where this is part of your routine. It's something that you do, if not every day, most days, and hopefully every day, you're feeding your brain, right? It's, It's the food for your brain. Now, putting yourself in the right place at the right time to do that and to have the right show or series of shows or books or whatever your medium choice is. I don't think the medium matters. I think that's your point. The show doesn't matter. The medium doesn't matter. But what next? Because you can put yourself at the right place at the right time. I like that you said that you listen to podcasts and you think. That's a really important point. You think. But I also think you also write things down. So it's your thinking. So talk a little bit about the process of once you're there listening or once you're there reading or whatever it may be, what advice or strategy do you have to help take what somebody's saying or what I'm reading and then turn it into something that perhaps will be a bit more sticky? Absolutely, brother. So so this is actually what I said on podcasts that I've actually never said with you. So I think you'll find this funny. It's kind of like my new saying. So there's always three types of people who listen to podcasts. Let me comment on that specifically. That's where my thought leadership comes from. It comes from people in podcasts, to be honest, not not really books. I'm not a big reader. So three specific types of people. The first type of person who's listening to podcasts, and it's funny because I, when I say on the pod, it calls people out really fast and people are like, oh, is, is the person who listens to the information but doesn't take any notes. So let's say I ask a question like, how would the world change if you're an exceptional communicator? They listen to the question and they forget about it. That's most people listen to shows. Person number two is taking notes. Okay, they take a note, let's say, on how would the world change if we were an exceptional community. Oh, that's a nice question. Let me write that down. That's probably 5 to 10% of people are listening. And then person number three. Mm, person number three. Very rare. I, I haven't met many people like that. And obviously, you probably guess I'm more like person number three. Person number three is taking notes and is reflecting on the notes that they're writing either in real time or after the episode is over. So I'll give you an example. Let's say when I'm listening to an episode on Lewis's podcast, I'm also thinking about how does this apply to my life? How does this apply to my goals? Uh, How can I implement this? What are some ideas that are coming to mind? 
as I'm listening and I just let my mind wander. What can I get from this? What's a big takeaway here? To make things super fun, like just for the audience here, because it's funny, you know, as I'm talking to you, Billy, I don't even remember what I listened to this morning, which is kind of sad. Oh, now I know, right? That's another reason why taking notes is so important. I literally did not remember what I listened to this morning. It was like 12 hours ago and I don't remember. So even with someone with my knowledge, the second I looked at my notes, all my memories came back like that. So this morning, I listened to an episode with Payal Kadakia, right? So Payal Kadakia is the CEO of ClassPass that she sold for like a, a lot of money to a company. And she was on Lewis's podcast to talk about her new book, Life Pass. So that was the hour and a half that I spent listening. But as you can tell from my notes here, just so people have an idea, right? I took a lot of notes. And another piece as well that's important about the notes that I do is I add little stars next to ideas that I've never heard of that I didn't know, going back to Christo. So let me write, let me say a couple of one. Uh, one and, and some of these, and this might be interesting. This is really for people who want to be thought loose. might be interesting for you. Those are probably mostly you, just you, Billy. <laughs> but what I also do is even if I add stars, it's not necessarily just because Payal is saying it. It's because I'm coming up with it. So, for example, one thing she said that I really liked is how did I feel this past year? So when she does goal setting exercises, she's not just thinking about what did I do last year? She said, how did I feel that year? What were my emotions? And I thought that was really fascinating. Never really thought about that idea. She also said uh, her one of her pieces of life, her life principles is create timeless things. Whatever you do in life, it needs to be timeless. I thought that was cool because it reminded me a lot of Master Talk. Oh, I love this other piece as well that I got. So once again, notice how for people who are listening just in real time, since we're metaing my own, you know, dissecting my own thought process, is notice how I can quickly highlight somebody's key points that are unique because I'm adding stars, like at a rapid pace. Whereas if you were taking notes on a notepad, I would be like, wait, Billy, and I'm opening my notepad, I'm trying to find the page. Whereas here, it's like instant. And she says this great thing. She said, I never heard this before, and I've listened to thousands of podcasts. She said, failure is a data point, not an endpoint." And I was like, so good, because it's true. But in addition to this, since we're really dissecting my behavior, I have other stars in this notepad that are unique to me. So it's insight that I'm coming up with as I'm listening. So it's generally because I disagree with something the person is saying. Not necessarily because the person is wrong, but because I have a different angle. So I'll give you an example. One thing that she says in the podcast is she says that you shouldn't have a plan B for life. You should just go into your plan A. I disagree with that. Right? So what I, what I wrote is I said, you need to earn your plan A in the sense of... You need to work so hard at something else, like another in translation. And once again, a lot of these ideas are experimental, right? So you have to bear with me here because I just came up with them 12 hours ago. So I haven't tested them out. They haven't been split tested. So one of the thoughts I have on this is that you should have a corporate full-time job that earns you money, an exceptional plan B, but then execute that plan B so well that you earn your plan A. You earn more time, more resources to think about your plan A and execute your plan A. So that's an idea that's unique to Brendan that I got from Pyle's thoughts because I listened to that. Is that making sense, Billy? Anything you want to jump in with? It makes a ton of sense. And I, I think that there's a few things that are, are really key to re-explain here and because I think it, it's worth it to re-explain it. One, and, and this is pretty basic, but listen, take notes, take action. And part of that action is maybe you reflect and you come up with your own unique idea, or maybe you take action by implementing this idea. But I also think the key point that I got from this is you need to have access to these things by having some kind of a system. For you, it's starring it. You also have another thing that I know you do, which is you you write wow or wowza. And so that you can know when something's really, really important or really, really mind-blowing. So you could talk about that in a minute. I just think that if you are digesting something, regardless of what it is, it's worth the extra step to write down what you're hearing and have some mechanism that will allow you to revisit it so that you can actually apply it in your life. I come from a training background. I know the value and the importance of not just hearing something, but actually doing something. And so I think that's really the the key crux of how do you study thought leaders? 
Well, it doesn't just mean that you hear what they're all about. It means that you hear what they're all about and you listen to those key things that are going to be something that you might not already know. And then you can then figure out ways to integrate that into your life. And the last thing that I'll share before I I want you to share what a wowza is, is what you said something in there. You said failure is a data point, not an endpoint, I think. I actually have heard that before, but it doesn't mean that it didn't still blow me away, right? And so I think the important thing is, one, what might be new and novel to you might be not be new and novel to somebody else, one. But two, how does it, how does it apply to you and your life? You might need to hear something at the right time. You might need to hear something because of the situation you're going through right now. And so this is why it's so important to reflect and think, but it all starts with you first carving out the time, having a practice where you're, you're writing things down, taking notes with some sort of categorization process. The key part, the most important part is that last part where you're now reflecting, thinking, and, and action-taking, implementing or embedding this into your life. So Brendan, what is a wowza and what, what does that signify versus a, the re- a starred system or anything else that you have in your categorization methodology, if that's a word? Uh, <laughs> absolutely, Billy. And the other piece that I'll add as well to this, since we're having a conversation about action taking, I'm not the best at this myself, everyone. You know, even if I listen to so many episodes, I can pretty much guarantee I don't implement most of the stuff that I hear. And that's okay. But I would say is you need to spend at least some time reflecting on the episode. This is something I always do because it always leads to a chain of insights that then leads to something I can take action on concretely. So don't worry too much about it. Don't stress so much about it if you're not able to take action on every single episode that you listen to, but you want to try your best. Absolutely. One other piece as well that I'll add here is a couple of other starred items that I wrote down. So one thing that I wrote down here is if you don't care about what you're doing, you won't last long enough to win. That's an insight that I wrote down on a piece of paper. I thought that'd be interesting to share just so people can see my thought process. And this is stuff that Pyle did not say in the episode. I just uh, interpreted as I, as I listened to it. And another one is you need to figure out your cards. Most people waste their time looking at other people's hands, but whereas they don't spend enough time analyzing their own. See, that's a perfect example, though, of a, of a packaging. People here don't compare yourself to others. Well, you just said the same thing, but in an entirely new way giving a great analogy with looking at a hand of cards. Right. Yeah. So I came up with that when uh, many years ago, when I saw a quote by Randy Posh and the quote was, it's not the cards that are dealt. It's how you play the game. But I felt it wasn't, there was enough meat on it. So I got some new ideas from that. So but that's the point, right? So I'm listening to people. And then after I listen to people, I then am able to create insights out of thin air. But a lot of these insights aren't that unique today. Like today I didn't get, a lot of unique insights because I had came up with them before, but I got the earned or plan A one. That's a new one that I came up with, but I don't always come up with it every day. It's a gradual process of years and years. I've been doing this for five years now and I'm 25. I started when I was 20, right? So it's a process that I'm going to do for the rest of my life. Another piece that you also asked me about is wowzas, right? Which is how do you categorize different episodes? So I have three ways of categorizing an episode. Wows, it's very simple. It's nothing crazy about wowza. If And for me, a definition of wows, especially at this point in the game, is like, I'm sitting on a couch like this, and I'm just like, oh my god. Like, I need to skip the next meeting because I just need to think. Like, it just blows me away. I'm just like, like completely destroyed. That's one. Wow is when I go, oh, that was, that was great. I was pretty impressed. A half of the episode, at least 75% of the episode, was pretty interesting and unique and anything below that which happens to be the case with this episode unfortunately it's harder to make the cut now that i've listened to so many episodes i'm sure she would have made wow by the way if i had listened to her in my the beginning of my personal development journey it's just nothing there's just nothing next to the name so what i want to jump is didn't you notice 15 minutes ago when i forgot the person that i listened to this morning this is like a meta insight that I just want to point out if something is not a wow or a wow's in my mind you'll notice that my mind immediately forgets about it Right. Yeah, you're not wasting. It goes back to the whole premise that I mentioned earlier. You're not wasting time on the things that are the same. You're not wasting time on something that you already know. It's not a wow. It's not a wowza. Just to make sure I'm understanding, if I'm looking at your notes, do you have like a wow and then below it a bunch of insights and then a wowza and a bunch of insights, or do you do the insight and then next to it you put wow or wowza? No, great, great question. So each note is a different episode. So I literally have thousands of notes. 
Okay, so let's say somebody asks me what's my key takeaway from Jack Dorsey. I go to the top of my notes and I type the word Jack Dorsey and every interview that I've listened to from Jack will appear. So for example, I've only listened to one. That's why Jack only appears once in my feed as a top. That's why we haven't done an episode on Jack Dorsey. Exactly, because I just don't know a lot. Whereas if you type Lewis Howes as an example, you'll notice there's like a bunch, right? There's like a bunch because I've listened to so many Lewis episodes of just him talking right? Or giving like a solo cast. So what happens is I write down the, the who's speaking at the top of the note in the same way. I literally have a notepad on you. So let's say I like, this is, it'll be fun. So let's say I go Billy, Samoa, Salibi, right? I go boom. And I open the notes. I didn't write enough. This is not because you haven't given me. <laughs> it's not many style It's not because <laughs> it's, I think it's because I write it somewhere else or something, but no, actually, no. The reason I don't write anything on my notepad is because I implement everything you say. I don't actually write it. So, for example, this is actually weird. I don't know why I do this with you. I think it's because I spend too much time with you. But normally, what I would do is I would write it down. But what I do with you, which is weird and unique, because I don't want people to think I'm not learning from you, because that's definitely the wrong impression, or else why would I spend so much time with you, is I actually implement whenever I learn something from Billy immediately, which is weird. It's kind of a weird dynamic that we had. Good save, Brendan. Good save. No, no. It's a fair save. You deserve that. Because I honestly, I, would, I was expecting, sincerely, I was expecting to open that notepad and see a bunch of notes. Seriously. I was like, where's the question that Billy asked me? Where's the feedback on Lewis? Yeah, you got to put that in there, man. This is, uh, I'm, I'm insulted. No, it's all good, dude. You should actually be happy because I'm actually implementing. Most people, I just write it down. I don't implement anything. <laughs> totally joking. Okay, well, well, here's the thing, though. Okay, so we're going to talk about the, the final piece here, which you already alluded to, which is you're able to take these ideas that you get and create your own thought leadership. And that right there, I think, is a really, really important thing to zero in on because it's not enough just to listen. It's not enough just to write notes, not enough just to implement into your own life. But I think the real goal for a lot of people is to make an impact and make and influence others through your own ideas. And those own ideas can be informed and built off of other ideas. And I think to your point, create something timeless. If you want to create something timeless, it's a lot of times it's the foundation is built on unique memorable ideas. Walk us through your process there as we close up. It's not easy, man. I'm glad you asked. Some people have asked me this in the past as well. I never had a good answer. So hopefully this one is good enough to, to satisfy you. So, so the way that I think about this, kind of in a framework, but it's not easy to implement, is it goes back to Lewis's three truths. So let me start with the quick story and how I started coming up with my unique thought loops that, that will help us. So when I started listening to Lewis's podcast, School of Greatness, he actually doesn't even know himself it came up in a recent episode. He doesn't actually know himself how it came up. He doesn't remember. It was like episode 150. And just, it just came to him. And he just started asking the question. It just became a tradition. So let me go ahead and repeat the question. It's called the three truths. Okay, the three truths in a nutshell. Let's say I ask this question to Billy. You don't have to answer it, Billy. Rhetorical question. Let's say it's your last day on earth. Okay, you've accomplished everything you want. You got the bestseller list. You got 10 houses. Uh, you're shaking hands with Elon Musk. You're having lunch with him every single day. You're crushing, right? On all cylinders. But it's time to go. It's time to leave the earth. And for some reason, every podcast episode, everything you've done in your life gets erased. And we don't know why it gets erased. But luckily, there's a piece of paper with a pen where you get to write down three lessons that you believe to be true about the world based on your experiences. And that is the only piece of paper that we will have to remember you. What are the three things that you'd write on that piece of paper? So when I first heard that question, Billy, I was like, whoa, that's a cool question. Co completely like disturbed my psyche. I was like, whoa, this is like some esoteric stuff, man. Because before that question, the best question I ever got was like, What's your favorite food or something? Or what do you, what's the meaning of life? So this was like a whole other level. And then I would see, um, no, let me comment on this very specifically. I would see guests struggle answering the question. They'd go, mm, uh, ooh, can you repeat the question again? Ooh, uh, and then they would, they would go like, don't give up. But like back then, I didn't know any of the truths. So I would like write them down. But don't worry, the story has an ending. So bear with me for like two more seconds. But then, Billy, after maybe 75, 100 episodes of this, I started hearing the same three truths over and over and over again. And I started to get bored, frankly. 
So then after a few hundred episodes of just listening, I was like, okay, I heard that three truths before. Because I've listened to hundreds of episodes, right? But I didn't even realize in my head I was like probably one of the few human beings who was doing that. Because in my head, it's like, oh, everyone's listening to hundreds of episodes of this podcast. So when I probably got to like the 200th episode, I started asking myself a question. Hmm. What if I was on the show? What are the three truths that I would write down? So I wrote down three truths and they were shit. It was just like, don't give up or be yourself or, I don't know, look at nature, something stupid. And I mean, that's not stupid for people to say that, but I thought it was stupid because I wasn't being original. And then I asked myself a harder question. This is a really tough question. And the question is, what are three truths that I could share that nobody else on the show has shared? Ah, now it gets interesting. So now there's a couple of ways for me to achieve that. The only way for me to know if my three truths were said or not is to listen to all the episodes and to know what everyone else said. So the only, And the other piece as well is to come up with the thought that nobody else came up with in the question. So as I would start thinking through this harder and harder, and, and I couldn't figure out the three truths, by the way, I juggled that question. And then one day, I think it was uh, two and a half years ago, I came up with be insane or be the same. And that became my first three truth. And then I came up with my second one, which is the easiest way to solve the world's problems is to do just that, focus on the easiest ones first, which goes to my theory around how if we all just focus on easy problems, we can all get the world moving in the right direction much quicker. And then my third one is never say, wow, I was asked how. But the point I want to drive, Billy, is they look, they sound clean today, but they developed over time. It, before before be insane or be the same, I called it step into your insanity, but I thought that was so weird. So the point is there's an evolution of ideas, but I would throw the ball back into the audience's court. If you want to develop new thought leadership to summarize this, because I know I just ranted for a few minutes there, the way you do this is simple, but not easy. And the question is, what are your three truths? And how can you make sure your three truths have never been shared before on the show? That's the perspective I would take on. Mm. So I just did a Google search and I did this before you mentioned that quote, because I know that is a famous Brendan piece of thought leadership. Be insane or be the same. The second uh, listing here, it says Brendan Kumar Sami, be insane or be the same. And I don't know what uh, podcast it was. But then the fourth one down is you again. And then the images is a whole bunch of images of you. So you have done it, my friend. That is a great framework and a great lens to look through as you're thinking about crafting your own thought leadership is, yeah, it does matter that you know you know what else is out there. Because you could think you're, you're having a unique thought, a unique idea, but there could be a whole book written about that. There could be somebody else that said it before you. So Google's your friend. First and foremost, I would say, you know, don't be afraid to to look and see what's out there. But then the second thing is, remember that in order to stand out, it does need to be unique, uniquely you. And so do what you can to do that. So Brendan, I think this is a super valuable session. And I, I love that, you know, anyone wants to, to do that, put the quotes around it. So I did be insane or be the same. Do it yourself and you can check it out. Be insane or be the same. So Brendan, sometimes we end these sessions and then you tell me right at the moment I press in broadcast, you say, oh, there's one other thing I wanted to say. So I don't want that to happen today. What is that one thing that you wanted to say or that one thing that you think inadvertently left out, missed, didn't talk about? Again, going back to this idea of how do you study thought leaders? What hasn't been said? It's either a new concept, right? Or a new idea or something that's going to teach people in a new way. How do we tell people? How do we Super meta, how do we give them something that they don't already know about how to study thought leadership? Yeah, man. I'll say my last point on this is simple, but once again, not easy. And the principle is, are you booking time on your calendar to develop new thought leadership? It's simple, but nobody does it. So just ask yourself, you should follow your curiosity. You should, but are you booking intentional time in your week to actually do this. And the reason I was able to develop these thoughts, Billy, was one core reason. Because I book time over years and years. Because I just love it. Think about somebody like Seth Godin, right? I think he's a good analogy to end on. The guy's in his 60s. He doesn't need to post on podcasts. He doesn't need to make blogs anymore. He doesn't need to write 
books. Yet he came up with a new one last year. And he's got like 19 bestsellers. Why is this guy still creating thought leadership? Why is this, still try- this guy trying to create something new? Because it's in his blood. It's what he cares about. It's what he loves to do. And the same way people like to eat pancakes, Billy. Well, I love pancakes too. But I love thought leadership, dissecting thought leadership, asking yourself questions about these guys. That's, that's my thing. In the same way other people's thing is like makeup or like pistachios or eating avocados every day. It doesn't matter. It's just if this is your thing and or if you want this to be your thing, the most important step is you got to book time on your calendar intentionally to do this. You've just given me one more thing that I meant to ask. Seth Godin is, I mean, arguably the king of thought leadership. Like to your point, 19 bestsellers. It seems like everything he says is unique or said in a way that makes you go, wow, I hadn't thought about it that way before. How does he get it so right? Like, what's he doing? Do you know his process? Do you know, like, what are the things that he's doing? I mean, we've done a whole episode on Seth, but in the focus on thought leadership and how you are so prolific, like he is, how does he do it? Right. I'm definitely not as prolific as Seth is. He's on a whole other level. I'm just trying to catch up. Dude, you got time though, man. You got time. I'm, I'm catching you in the beginning. That's why, that's why we've done 44 episodes with you. Yeah. <laughs> the next most common person is uh, two or three episodes, you know? So, so yeah, you've, uh, you've got, yeah, you're going to be tough to beat. I, I doubt I'll uh, have this opportunity to, so this is the anthology, the Brendan Kumarasamy anthology that's just never ending, but it's for good reason, man. You're, you're so full of this wisdom. Age does not matter. And I am not ashamed to, Open the floodgates and listen, even though I have 20 years on you. So what about Seth, man? What's he doing right? Yeah, man. Once again, we could spend a whole episode, but if I had to summarize one key insight that I actually didn't share in our episode with Seth that I can verbalize now in the context of this conversation is this. He's not afraid to look stupid answering hard questions. Let me repeat that again. He's not afraid to sound or look stupid when answering hard questions. And I'll give you a personal example because Seth has answered some of my questions. On his podcast, Akimbo, and there's a Q&A section at the end of each episode. And what I find fascinating about Seth's approach, he prioritizes the hardest questions he get asked. And what's cool about it is he's answering the question in real time. And a lot of the time when he's answering the question, you don't really understand the answer. But that's the point. Is that he's, instead of avoiding the hard question saying, because a lot of people, right, would look at the question and say, I don't want to answer that. That'll make me sound dumb. That'll make me sound stupid. It'll ruin my reputation. It'll ruin my personal brand. Whereas Seth Godin dives into it. Like, let me give you a couple of examples of literally questions I've asked the guy that are literally like impossible questions. And he took them on. Okay, he took them on. So a lot of these questions, like most of you guys, like most people would like even understand what I'm even saying here. So one question that I asked him, I'll just use a quick example. Uh, Questions for celebrities. Okay, Seth Godin. So one of my first ever question that he answered on his show from, from me was how to be productive playing infinite games versus finite ones. So I'll give an example. One of the episodes in his podcast is called the infinite game and the finite game. And in that episode, he talks about two types of games. Finite games means competitive games where we're competing against each other. and There's only a limited amount of spots. So let's say me and you want to get drafted into baseball. Me and you are fighting. Only one of us can get drafted in the league, right? Simple. Me and you are trying to get into Tesla, right? There's a, it's a finite game. There's only a limited amount of spots, right? So we're fighting over the position. We're not fighting it physically, but we're not all going to get the job at Tesla, right? As an example. But an infinite game is a game that is worth playing that has no competition. So an example of that is growing up your family. You're not competing against other families in a family Olympics. You're growing your family. Like that's, it's a goal. It's a game worth playing, but there's no competition around it. But what I argued in that episode with Seth in my question is there's a reason, Seth, why people love to play finite games is because there's a carrot on the stick. If I win the finite game, right, if I win the Tesla, I get a huge salary. 
I get a bonus. I get status. Whereas the infinite game, I don't get rewarded as much to play it. So let's say starting a YouTube channel, starting a creative endeavor. I don't get rewarded for playing that infinite game unless I do it for long periods of time. So my question to him, if I haven't lost half of the audience already, is how do we stay productive while playing infinite games? How do we stay productive? How do we stay motivated? And he honestly didn't have a great question answer for it. He literally just said, hey, Brendan, that's a great question. No one's asked me that before. And I struggle with this too. You know, we need to figure... And then he started going through like five different analogies. He couldn't solve the problem because the question was impossible. But that in of itself is the point. That's what makes Seth Godin the king of thought leadership. You don't have to be king just because you have all the right answers. You become king because you're willing to sacrifice Make the sacrifices necessary to get to the top, even if you don't have all the answers. That's the secret to being king. And that's the secret that I've learned from him is not be afraid looking stupid right now. I'm sure I've looked stupid on the show, like every single episode where I'm like looking through my notes and stuff. But that's what makes me more inept at this. It's not really that surprising to know that somebody who actually does as much as he does, whether that be his blog, which every day he's posted a blog entry for, you know, since internet was formed, (laughs) his podcast, his books, you put enough out there, some things are going to stick. And to your point, not all of it's going to be perfect. Not all of it's going to be amazing. And so, yes, he's brilliant. So no one's going to argue that. And especially when you're brilliant, if you put enough out, there's going to be a lot If you look for quotes, I looked for quotes from Seth recently. I mean, there's so many Seth Godin quotes out there. It's mind-blowing. And the reason is, he's prolific. He has so much content out there. And not everything he says is quoted. Maybe now it is. But but you got to put the stuff out there regardless of how it may make you look. James Altucher says, I don't hit publish until I'm afraid what people will think of me. I don't hit publish until I'm afraid what people will think of me. And I think... That type of mindset is super valuable. If you're in the content or thought leadership creation game, you can't be hypersensitive to what other people might think about you. So hope you enjoyed this episode. Brendan, as always, thanks for being here. If you haven't checked out Brendan's YouTube channel, it's Master Talk. Go subscribe. And he's giving tons of value. (laughs) and making sure you understand how to master your ability to communicate. If you haven't yet subscribed to this show on your favorite podcast platform, go ahead and go do that. It's Insight Out. Go check it out, Insight Out, and subscribe anywhere you listen to podcasts. Until next time, make it a great one. We'll talk to you guys soon. Thank you for listening to this episode of Inside Out. I hope you took away some valuable insights that will help you in business and in life. If you like this show, the best payment you can give is to rate, review, and subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast platform. You can also listen to past episodes and see a breakdown of all the best insights by going to insightoutshow.com. And for the record, there's no greater compliment than sharing this show with your friends on social media. So if there's an insight or lesson that you liked, please share it and tag both me and today's guest. And until next time, remember, your next life-changing breakthrough moment may happen when you least expect it. Insight out.